crew, hope you are well and welcome back to the High People Podcast, episode 7. Thank you so much for tuning in, it means a lot. And I really hope that you are enjoying these episodes because we're definitely enjoying making them, which is a lot of fun. If you haven't yet, jump on Instagram, Facebook, like us, subscribe, jump on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, hit that like button, subscribe button, leave a comment. It all really adds up and you know what? Gives me a little perk up when I read the messages and the feedback, which is really, really cool. This week's episode is a cool one. It's a really exciting one for me and, you know, quite a a big name, I suppose, which is really, really cool. We have Chris Green, who is a cricketer, particularly in the T20 format. He's playing for Sydney Thunder, playing for New South Wales, playing in the Caribbean Premier League. He's done a lot of travel and played a lot of cricket and I've known him uh, since he was about 14 years old and we have a really good conversation about cricket, about life about debuts, about challenges, and lots of other different things. So, enjoy. It was a really, really fun interview. We had this chat while he was in quarantine after returning from overseas, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. So, without further ado, this is the story of Chris Green. Today is another exciting day. I say every uh, episode's exciting because I, I enjoy every guest that I have on, but it's not often we get to have a professional cricketer uh, on the show, which is good. But it's also funny for me because I've known Greeny since I was about, well, since he was about fourteen, actually. So it's kind of interesting how it's how it's changed all along. But let's let's get into his story. So Chris Green, mate, it's awesome to have you on. Thanks for coming on the High People Podcast, man. Good to be here. Uh, thanks for having me um, and helping me pass some quality time while I'm doing my hotel quarantine. Yeah, well, let's let's get straight into that, mate. Like, you're in quarantine at the moment. What day are you at? And I suppose, where, where have you come from? That's a good question. Um, I've come from the Caribbean. So I was in the CPL. We were, we were bubbled up there. And then prior to that, I was in the UK playing some county cricket for Middlesex. So I've been away, I think, from memory, I left on the, the 3rd or 4th of June. Um, and I'm due home on the... 7th of October. So it'll be just gone four months away. Um, four months. It's been fun, but the yeah, the quarantine's adding up. I think by the end of these um, these two weeks in here, I would have done just over 50 days locked in a room since COVID started. So traveling all last year and now this year. Oh, isn't that insane? Just with the, the nature of the world at the moment and you being a professional athlete, like the times that you've spent in a in a fifty days, like oh yeah, it's yeah fifty. It'll be yeah fifty days. Um, I reckon I'm in the. I'm somewhere in between one hundred and fifty and two hundred COVID tests taken, um, <laughs> and now and now double jabs. So yeah, there's a lot of interesting stats around it. But mate, I'm yeah, I'm looking forward to getting home after some good time away. Oh, I bet you are, mate. Well, a, a good thing, I suppose, about this it was perfect timing. I remember when I hit you up, I said, hey, do you want to you come on? You're like, well, I've got 14 days, so, mate, let's <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yeah, we can do a 14-day <laughs> podcast if you want. <laughs> oh, man. Well, look, it's it's awesome to have you on. I'm really looking forward to this chat. And uh, not only for, obviously, what your, your cricket life, um, but also your life before that, which, I, you know, I don't know how many people would know um, that story as well. So I suppose it all it all has a start, mate. But uh, where was where was Chris Green born? <laughs> um, 
it all started for me in South Africa. So I was born and raised in South Africa. My um, my parents, my dad being South African and, and mum English, um, both met playing professional tennis. So they both um, were lucky enough or good enough to play um, tennis at Wimbledon. Um, so they had some pretty cool careers in their own right, which meant that um, my brother and I pretty much learned to walk on a tennis court. Um, so tennis... Mm was a big part of and still is a big part of my life but it soon became all sports I loved all sports growing up and um yeah just got amongst anything I could um while playing in the backyard with my brother or mum and dad um and then you know just starting out really um in in kindergarten or preschool and kindergarten in South Africa and and then year one um and then we moved over my mum and dad made the huge sacrifice to sort of up and leave South Africa, friends and family behind and, and for mum to move to Australia further away from England. Um, so it was a huge sacrifice. In 2001, uh, we moved over to Australia because um, basically my parents sought out a better opportunity and better life for our family, but in particular my brother and I because of dad's work, wanting to take him from or us from Durban to, to Johannesburg. And um, unfortunately, the the living and the circumstances in Johannesburg aren't as great, so they weren't comfortable with it. And, um, yeah, both of them never made it to Australia for their tennis, came out on a holiday to sort of think about their decision and fell in love with it. Um, and we pretty much up and moved, I think, between 12 and 18 months after their holiday um, and, yeah, came out and started our new life in Australia. That is awesome. And I suppose and you obviously haven't looked back since, which is such an incredible move. And, and at that time to literally lift the whole family and being like, right, we're going to a brand new country. We're going even further away from our extended family. Um, you know, what were the, I suppose, the, the immediate, was there any immediate early challenges from yourself coming from South Africa into Australia? Or did you just go like a duck to water and you just loved it? Um, oh, I, I remember not being happy about about leaving and I guess not understanding why we were leaving. I was still pretty young. So I was about seven. My brother was uh, four turning five. Um, and we both, I remember vandalizing our for sale sign um, at the front <laughs> of our house and, and not being happy and kicking the can because, you know, I'd, I just started um, junior school and, and created a lot of friends um, that I thought were like, my best friends for life and um mm. you know i had my grandparents and all the family there and um but yeah as soon as we got to australia it was like this new cool awesome adventure we were um homeschooled uh, out of our small little apartment in manly uh that we were renting for two months um and mum's homeschool was like we'd do an hour of of maths out of a workbook an hour of english out of a workbook and then we'd just go on these adventures we'd hop on the ferry and go and you know we went down um, all the way down to Homebush or we'd go into the opera house, walk around the city and go to the Taronga Zoo, all those sort of tourism things. So we were um, being taught what Australia was. And it was, to me and my brother, it was just this awesome adventure um, and meant that, yeah, we weren't really at school, but um, we, we made like good friends with each other and, and came really close as a family before then going to school. Um, and I don't really meet, remember too much about starting public school up in in Warunga, but just getting involved in soccer cricket and tennis and, and creating friends 
really, really quickly and just being competitive uh, with the sport. And um, yeah, as a result, I think mum and dad made new friends and that's just how I guess life progresses through, through kids and, and friendships and, and et cetera. And uh, we then moved to a rental in, in Wurunga for a year before um, buying down near um, the Glade and the Glade just became like my brother and I's <laughs> playpen. It had cricket nets, it had tennis How courts, it had a big oval and um, a basketball court. So anything and everything was spent there or in our backyard. That's awesome. So the love of sport, obviously, with your parents being, you know, professional tennis players. Um, and I've obviously got the, the pleasure of knowing your parents as well. And they're just fantastic people. But where do you think the love of the sport was just that came from them or was just the interactions with your brother or where, where, did, where did this love of, of sport come from? Yeah, I, th- I think it, look, I think it would have had to come from them. I mean, ever, ever since I could remember, I, I, I would dream of playing tennis at Wimbledon and, and cricket at the MCG or Lords, you know, that the, the ultimate of, of, or what I saw as the ultimate of both games so from a tennis side was replicating what mum and dad did. And then cricket side was, you know, just watching and playing in front of big crowds and um, at those amazing venues, whether it be Boxing Day Test or, you know, T20 Internationals or, or whatever it was growing up, it was it was wanting to be a part of those spectacles and, and tick that off the, the dream list. And um, so I think it, it would have stemmed from there, from mum and dad and um, then just, you know, I, I like the competitive aspect of it. I, I would mm. say I'm a, a competitive person and, um, I, I started through learning sport and competing. That's where I got my enjoyment of, um, or enjoyment from and, and love of the game and games, uh, I would say. So through them and, um, yeah, through dreaming of, of the greater occasion or bigger challenges. Yeah. I love that. And I think like, like a lot of us, I think, uh, sport was definitely first and, and school was second. So, so <laughs> yeah. on, on that note was, was Chris Green a good student in, in high school? Where did you go to high school as well? Was it, was it, was he a good student or were you too involved in sport? Uh, I'd like to say I was a good student. I went to, um, after finishing at the Bush school in Warunga, I went to Knox. Uh, so I started Knox in year five and went through all the way to year 12 and, um, education was a, a non-negotiable um, with my dad or with my mum and dad, but dad in particular and my dad's dad um, in South Africa is every conversation we'd have would be around education and the importance of education. And um, yes, it's, you know, chasing dreams of sport, but, you know, you're going to have to retire. You could get injured and you've got to have a, a fallback. What's your fallback? How long are you going to pursue trying to be professional in because it doesn't pay to try? Um it only pays when you make it. Uh, so, yeah, I tried to be the best student I could be. I probably wasn't as good as I, I should have been or as focused as I should have been. But in year 12, I sort of just flicked the switch and thought, you know what, it's one year, um, particularly at the back end of year 12, where I took a break from cricket and tennis to focus on my studies. And in that same time in taking a break a little bit, um, help me make the decision of which way to choose, whether it be cricket or tennis. But um, the number one priority through school was always, if you're going to play tennis, you go to college in America, get your degree and and pursue tennis that way. Or if you're going to play cricket, you study in Australia, you finish your degree and, and then away you go. Yeah, awesome. I think it's such a good approach as well, because like you said, you know, you're not going to be a professional 
athlete forever as much as you know you would love to and, and everybody wants to do that you need to have you know something behind you know to, to follow it up or to do it but I think it also it gives you other life skills as well that you know you can learn outside of cricket but then you can also take them um, into sport so it, it leads it where what did you do after school where was um, you know Chris Green finishes school you know well, what happens what happens next in the education sense and then we'll get to sport as well yeah look I, I think the best thing um, education did for me is it, exactly what you said it gave me an interest and, and opportunities to learn about myself away from the sporting field or the cricket field it just it bought me time to to mature as a person and as an individual as well and, and get a greater sense of, of who I am so I I finished I finished school and went straight into a, a bachelor of business at UTS um, did full two two years full-time uh, so that took me through to when I was 20 um, and got an internship uh, at Deloitte um, doing uh, human capital consulting in um, them uh, in management consulting there um, got offered a grad role and then uh, I'd say I turned that down saying look I'm not ready to, to do this I want to back myself in cricket and it was exa- at that same time um, ND's won the one day comp um, yeah. and I probably had my, my standout performance in the final and that then led to me getting an invitation to go up and, and train with New South Wales in Queensland um, for a preseason camp. I was in England in 2014 um, and they called me saying, we want you to come back. I said, absolutely. Um, mm. And then they gave me a go against South Australia and um, I took three wickets at Allen Border Field. Um, didn't get hit for a six. I remember that. I was very happy not to get hit for a six on that <laughs> tiny field. Um, and as a result, they, they picked me for their one day squad for that season. I, I can't remember if there was injuries or Aussie selections to, um, O'Keefe and Lyon, or even if Lyon was there yet. Um, and then the Thunder gave me, um, their last spot pretty much on the back of the same preseason training and one day final. So I think through that time of studying at UTS and, and training hard and, and playing for NDs and establishing myself. A little bit more in first grade um yeah it just i think the timing was right for where i was in my life rather than being thrust in as a youngster if you like yeah it's awesome i think you know it's it's it's, uh, it's really interesting in my shoes because you know i'm a couple of years older than you but see all this stuff progress uh, and and hearing it from you again is actually really cool to, to go back and think about it but the one thing I know with you is probably one of the biggest decisions that you had to make early on in your career was tennis or cricket. Um, <laughs> at, at what point did you feel you had to make that decision, and and what at what led you to, to cricket? I suppose like what what was the in a sense the, the final point where you went, you know what I'm gonna give I'm gonna give cricket a red hot go here. Yeah, it was it was hard. I still think it's one of the hardest, if not the hard hardest decision I've had to make and mm. um yeah so it was it was basically I, I didn't know what I wanted um I valued them both equally probably from age 12 or 13 up and it was you know tennis they were both my balance of each other tennis being all year round and cricket being summer you know if I, I never made those um, emerging blues or state squads for cricket. And I wasn't too disappointed because it meant that I didn't have to go in and train in the early mornings at 
the SCG, <laughs> I could go and play tennis um, and, and, you know, pursue my love that way rather than play cricket all year round. And I, I think it was for a good thing. Otherwise, I would have been burnt out. But, um, yeah, it was, it was year 12 um, coming to the back end um, and it was I wrote my SATs to go to college in America and um, I'd obviously started applying for universities and looked at what marks I needed Hence why I sort of flicked the switch and started studying a bit harder. Um, and then um, it, it sort of came to that realisation is like, okay, well, I, I can no longer do both. I either have to go or I have to stay. Um, and mum and dad were never going to push me in either direction. Um, I wanted them to decide for me, but they both said, no, it's, 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 it's you and your decision. And, and I think what led me to staying was... I was just enjoying my, my way of deciding was I was enjoying where I was currently in my life. And, and that was being home, um, in playing cricket. I, I was having fun at NDs. I was in, you know, PGs and, um, I would just debuted in, in first grade that last year of school, I think, um, I can't remember. And, and then the year before was second grade. We did really well uh, in that competition. So I was enjoying my time in the summers and, uh, it's not to say I wasn't enjoying my tennis, um, but it was like, well, I want to stay and give this a crack. The university here, I've done well in my HSC. I want to see how I can do here and I'm just going to stay and, and see what happens. Yeah, so good. And I, I, You've just triggered a memory there. I think one of, maybe one of the first games that we played together would have been a PG's game where you were also playing Green Shield as well or maybe it was the year after and you ended up playing... A T20 with us as well. While there was some, there was some connection. I know you, you were playing both, and we were just like, "There's this under 16 kid, Greeny, who's is going to be a weapon." And we were like, "Okay, bring him in. Like, let's go." And the one thing I do remember about is your ultra competitiveness. Even though you were, you know, nearly four to five years younger than anybody else uh, in that side, that you were just ridiculously competitive. And I think it's one thing that's held you in really good stead. Um, going through now with with the love of sport with with choosing cricket you said you know there was a couple of sliding door moments you know you being in England I want to take you to in a sense the New South Wales debut which again was was awesome for NDs as a club um, and for us um, knowing you quite well what what was that experience like what was it like knowing that you know I'm going to play for for my state like take us through the call take us through when you found out um what was that process yeah it was um thinking back on it it, it's actually really really you know really special and and i'm very grateful for um i was fortunate that i had good people around me both nd's home and then also at new south wales so as i said that that pre-season camp went well and i i was welcomed in by the squad as sort of just I don't know, I would have just been like a, a, I thought I was just a train on there to, to go and have an experience up in Queensland, bowl a bit, bat a bit um, and, and see what the state or professional setup is like really. And um, they gave me a go um, in one of the games and, and, and did well. Um, or did well enough for them. Uh, it was against Western Australia, the practice game. I actually got that stat, that memory wrong and got three wickets. Um and then uh, I think Steve O'Keefe must have been injured or they wanted to pick two spinners and, and someone else wasn't there. 
because I remember then after that game, they said, oh, well done. Um, we want you to stay a part of it back in Sydney. Come into the SCG. We'll get you training. Um, and then Trevor Bayless said, um, you're in our one-day squad uh, of 14 and you're our only spinner in the squad, so you're going to play. Um, so Steve must have been injured or with Australia. Um, wow. I just remember, this is so cool. Uh, and he said, look, you're definitely going to play the first game up in Brisbane against South Australia. Um, we then come back down. We've got a game at the Gabba where we may or may not play a spinner. Um, and then we play a lot at Blacktown and in Sydney. Um, so you're going to have a key role to play through the tournament. So I sort of knew what was to come. But, um, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. And then uh, playing South Australia, debut, um, didn't get a wicket. We bowled first, which I was actually really pleased about. I didn't want to wait. I wanted to get involved. Um I didn't get a wicket, but again, didn't get hit for a six. So I think I went for about oh, 40 odd off my 10 overs, none down. Hazelwood was bowling at the other end. Um, yeah. he, bowled, he bowled well. Um, and then uh, I remember like it was long. They, they sent us off for an ice bath and I came back and I just watched Nick Madison absolutely send the ball to all parts facing Sean Pate, <laughs> Butland, all the bowlers thinking, oh, how good's this? We're going to chase this down easy. We started losing wickets. And then Maddo got out, I think just shy of 100 it must have been. Uh, and he came and sat down next to me as I was padded up next in, Tate bowling. He said, mate, so I still remember it vividly because it's still the scariest I've, or the most scared I've been on the field. Um, <laughs> he said, oh, it's all good. Um, Sean Tate, whenever his arm goes low, that's his bouncer. So just get out of the way of it. I thought, oh, great. You know, he's a bloke. He's just helped me. Uh, he got 90. Um, you've seen a file. I just trust that it. it sounds good. So, sure as hell, I go in um, facing Travis Head and Putland first up. I remember facing Putland first ball. And I thought, oh, that's that's pretty sharp. You know, 0140s. Um, quickest I've sort of faced in a game ever before, I reckon. Um, and then Head came on at the other end. I thought, screw this. I'm going to swing hard and get as many runs as I can before Tate comes on. <laughs> and then... Um, there was only a one-over window of head and Tate came on and um, Callum, I remember Callum Ferguson, Tim Ludeman and Tom Cooper all told me I was going to get a broken arm. And I thought, you know, what? I, I don't think you're wrong. I, I think you're right. Um, but I remember Matto had said, watch his arm, it goes low, um, you'll be fine. So he comes steaming in, long run up. I felt like he was running in for ages. I was playing with Ryan Carter's. Um, and his arm goes like, I thought, great, bumper. And went like, and so I started ducking and it went full outside off. And I was like, oh no, got that one wrong. Um, next ball, <laughs> waiting, waiting, waiting. Arm goes low. I thought, this has to be the bumper. Surely he's bouncing me. I'm on debut. Again, just came through sort of stump high, outside off again. Like the, the duck leave came in. And I thought, you know what? It's it's all out of the window. His arm, this, this thing's no good. I'm just going to watch the ball and try and survive. And then next ball was the bouncer and it nearly knocked me off. So I went down to Ryan Carter's and I said, mate, you're facing the rest of this bloke. If I get off strike, we're not running two. Um, so yeah, long, long story. And I got sidetracked there, but I, I that was good. the, it, it's the memory of, of that debut. We ended up winning the game. I was not out. Ryan Carter's and I got us home. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a cool start to, I guess my first professional game and, and the earliest game of my career. 
Yeah, it's awesome. And like for those at home, Sean Tate is bowling 145 to 150 Ks, if not plus yeah, that. So, bad. and with a wild action, like uh, he'd be one of the last blokes in the world I'd want to face, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you find, you know, going from, you know, first grade experience and, you know, you played school cricket and then, and then a little bit of first grade at NDs and, and, and that and moving into that system, how, how did you find the step up? Did you find it was a, a really massive leap or, you know, what, what was that like for you when you were going through that process? Um, I, I found that I, th- I think the, the biggest change was, again, the... Some would say it, it's faster, but I would I would then translate to mean that to meaning like it's more competitive every ball um, mm. rather than the game just being over a period of time as it is in you know lower or junior levels. It's a game over a period of time where um, circumstances happen. I would say professional cricket is is more a competition every ball, and it's like it that that was the biggest notice in change and being up for every ball in between balls it's, it's pretty similar um if not the same you know you joke around you talk you you encourage one another you have a laugh you have a joke but the actual moment the ball's being delivered it's it's full full intensity on all the moment there's no freebies um and you've got to be alert and ready to jump over any half half errors or half opportunities that open mm. yeah it's awesome so you, you've had your New South Wales debut, I suppose, and I know you played a couple of games at uh, at Blacktown back at Sydney. Um, you know, you're going through that process. You know, returning to to Northern District where you and I both played. Um, then the really exciting thing came, and I'm going to suggest probably you know one of the things you're most known for um, at the moment is you know your time at Sydney Thunder in the in the T20 competition. You know, you get your debut again there but again what was what was that process like was that again like you know living the dream all over again or you know how did how did that come about what was that sliding door moment yeah that was cool um i remember that was my first year so they gave me the last spot and we had nathan horrocks was the main spinner um then hill and beetle who you know played at nds and and it did well in gray cricket but never really cracked it at the next level but he was given opportunities um, as a sort of spinner all rounder, the spot that I wanted um, or was going for, or, or I, I guess am in a team. Um, and so I stayed at home for most of it, didn't travel, and they gave me one travel opportunity at the back end. Unfortunately, games, we weren't winning a lot of games that year. Um, and I went to Adelaide. So my first ever away tour, T20, a lot of fun. Um, and I remember we had a team, we went out for a team dinner. Um, and it was raining and I just walked down in like, as I thought, jeans, thongs, T-shirt. And they said, um, Ian Moran and Mark Cosgrove sent me back up saying, mate, you are the traveling 13th man. Go and get some shoes on. We're having dinner and we're going out. I was like, okay. So I did that. We went out, <laughs> woke up the next morning, woke up the next morning at about 11 after getting back at two in the morning or three in the morning. And those, I left those guys. I said, you guys need to stay. I'm going to bed. I'm knackered. I woke up the next morning, rain everywhere. So I took myself off um, to breakfast, bumped into the coach and he said, oh, with rain around tonight, um, just be prepared that you could play uh, in a shortened game. And I thought, oh my goodness, Adelaide Oval, 
Um, I've had, <laughs> I've just had a, a decent circuit. Um, I'm going to make my debut hungover. So I went out, had got myself a massage, did a, like a little sweat session in the gym to try and wake up and refresh. <laughs> went to the team meeting and they said, Greeny, you're 12th man, but if it gets shortened, you could come in. Um, Fortunately for me, or unfortunately, depending which way you look at it, it, it started okay and then rained. So I only, uh, only could have got on in the field, but didn't. Um, but then the next game back at the SCG, we were training day before and the coach came up to me and said, you're going you're gonna to play tomorrow. Um, you're in our team. Horitz is sitting out. We want to give you that opportunity. Um, I thought, oh my God, they're dropping Nathan Horitz to give me an opportunity. What's going on here? <laughs> um, but it was, it was really exciting. The fact it was at the SCG, I told my mum and dad, I told a lot of my friends. Um, so a lot of people came out to watch and um, yeah, I got my opportunity to bowl and, and, and bowled well. I, I, I got away with it. I bowled four overs, none for 14. Um, and we unfortunately lost a, an unlosable game, I reckon. Josh yeah. Layla bowled him over at the end and um steve o'keefe and jordan silk got them over the line um but you know without even realizing it in that moment i look back on it and that was probably like oh we don't know what this guy can do on the field you know he's, he's got attributes that we obviously like or whatever to sign in for a year but we need to give him a go um mm. so uh, you know I, I played that game did well enough and then they signed me next year and, and gave me that starting spot in the year that we went on to to then win it, so that sort of kick started, as you said, that that kick started my career there. Yeah, and that's that was really cool. And I remember hearing the news that Greeny's going to play, Greeny's going to play, and you know the news spread like wildfire, and everyone's trying to get tickets to go, and if not, yeah. we we're glued to the TV. Like twenty second of January, um, yeah, you know everyone was into it, and it was the SCG, and we're all pumped, and we'll. We're kind of hoping, but not hoping that you'd play in Adelaide, but you'd, you'd play in the SCG and then <laughs> and you played that game, which was was awesome for all of us. Because again, I think particularly in our circle of friends, it was probably one of the first people that we'd known to, to make it in that professional sense. Like it's someone who you can be like, I know that guy, like he's, I've got his number in my phone. Like I've played cricket with him, like rather than like, oh yeah, that's just Ricky Ponting, who I'm probably never <laughs> going to meet ever. Um, yeah. It's, it was awesome. Like, it was so good to see you succeed. And I suppose the most success you've had with Thunder was what you, you mentioned before was the, the BBL 05 when you had an incredible season. It was an insane season, ups and downs, ups and downs. And then to get through to um, the final and then to win, you know, what was that like to, to be the first Sydney Thunder team to, to win the, the Big Bash League in Australia? Yeah, I remember that, that that season was a lot of fun. Uh, we had an awesome team. Um, and probably the one thing I missed out on in that, that previous year is um, in signing that last spot in the Thunder meant that I got to meet and also spend time with my childhood hero, which is Jacques Callis. Um, so I remember when I signed, when they signed me on uh, for my second year after making my debut in the last game of the season, they told me that they're re-signing Callis and it was like, that was better than re-signing myself. Um, just <laughs> I knew that I got to spend more time with him and I'll put it down there. That first year, I, I couldn't speak to him anyway. I couldn't speak two words to him. So um, the fact that it was just another year to try and pluck up some courage to try and speak to my childhood hero um, and never mind play alongside him. 
Um, that was really yeah. cool. Um, and then, yeah, to get, I think that, that I'm, I was 12th man our first game um, at, in Sydney. Um, I think Kawaja, Kawaja played and they, they played an extra batter. And then from that moment forward, I then played in the team all the way through. And um, then when Kawaja came back in our last game before qualifying, he got 100. I played so that I played the whole season. Obviously, made, made my spot bowling in tandem with Fawad Ahmed, played a crucial role there. Um, and then we just went on a hot run. We snuck in, um, won the semi, got into the final and, and won the final. And it was having my mum and dad there in the change rooms in the, of the MCG till 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning was awesome. <laughs> uh, we then left at about 5 a.m. And, and went straight to champagne breakfast in the hotel and then coming back, flying back the next afternoon. I remember sleeping a little bit and then waking up the next day. It was Australia Day and all my mates couldn't wait to see me and we just celebrated. So it was, it, it's, it's one of my career highlights, just that whole experience of of playing my first full season obviously winning it and then just spending so much time with the likes of Mike Hussey, uh, Jacques Callis, Shane Watson, um, Andre Russell, Usman Khawaja, those guys just to name a few but again those guys are in particular Watson, Hussey, Callis um, were guys that I'd idolized growing up and watched all the time and then now all of a sudden I've got their phone number. They've become mentors of me and, um, you know, like I can reach out to them and, and they reach out to me and we have like a personal relationship. So it's a whole pinch yourself experience and memories that that started my career and, and um, you know, winning it that season has, has created and sort of built a platform for me as well. So I'm very grateful for it. I remember the, uh, I think it was the promo photos of, of you and uh, Jacques uh, there. And I remember you telling me being like, I can't believe I'm getting to play with him and I get to talk to him. I suppose yeah. it, it, it leads, you, you half answered it there, but I want to go there again. What At what point did you go, holy hell, like I'm I'm playing with guys that I normally sit back on the lounge and, and watch play to then being able to go in there and you know, you got to be two things. You got to be like in awe of them, obviously because they're professional cricketers, but then you've got a job to do. Like you've been, you know, you've been given a contract. You need to bowl. Well, you need to do that and you need to work with this. How did, how did that work? I suppose in a weird way, how did you overcome that, that aura of that, that person? I, I I don't know. I don't think I, 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 I have yet. Um, and I think that that purely and I'm glad I haven't because I don't you know I think that no one or certainly the guys that I looked up to and continue to look up to and and get to know is they're never too big for the game and they've always got time to give to 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 whoever um and I still remember my first overseas tournament was to the PSL in in Dubai and I got off the plane uh, I was playing with Brendan McCullum. Uh, he was the captain, um, same coach as the Thunder. So that's how I got that opportunity. And, and then I obviously knew Shane Watson was in one of the other teams, but went down to breakfast um, the first morning, jet lagged as anything, but went down and um, I got pulled over to a table by Shane and Brendan. And at the table was Kumar Sangakara, Mahela J. Wardner, Kevin Peterson, Brendan McCullum, Shane Watson, and Chris and Chris Green. And like <laughs> we sat there having breakfast and talking till about midday, one o'clock. 
I remember going up to my room thinking, what am I doing here? I've got off the plane in the wrong spot. I remember ringing mum and dad being like, I'm so far out of my depth. I'm sitting around a table at breakfast with my idols. They're all talking to me like I'm on the same level as them and have achieved the same things in the game as them. And it was just, you know, I think that was the first moment where I was like, this is so cool. Um, and my passion and love for the game grew. But at the same time, it was the biggest or a big learning point in my career about, as I said, you're never too big for the game and the importance of giving back your time and, um, you know, just thriving in the, in the moment and learning off the stories and experiences that the, those guys have and, and continuing to share with them. And, and then, you know, in turn, hopefully I continue to pass on um, to whoever. It could just be having a... a a, a lesson in the park to playing club cricket to thunder or wherever is just you know leave purely leave the game in a better place wherever you go yeah that's awesome man and i know from from knowing you that's something that i know you do you know well already you know, for i know personal example i i know some family friends of ours who are just absolutely crazy thunder fans and uh, i remember speaking to them and i remember just messaging being like hey dude do you mind if you just sign these two cricket balls um, for them. And you're like, yeah, mate, no, no drama whatsoever. And then I know that made their absolute day. And I know even to when you returned to, to NDs um, and you were at training with this, like you were at training and some people were like Chris Green's at training. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is Greeny. Like this is, this is what he does. And I remember even some of the younger kids being like, oh, this is, this is awesome. And I said, have you gone up and spoken to him? Like, have you, you know, go, go listen to him because I know you on a very different level to say, you know, a 15 year old kid because he sees you on the TV and goes, oh my gosh, that's Chris Green from New South Wales and Sydney Thunder and plays, you know, T20 cricket and does all that. Where I know Greeny from the guy that I've played with who is now awesome and playing on, on TV as well. And I think who's Cher sleeping in a change room with. Oh, <laughs> oh, yes. Jeez. Oh, man. I've slept a couple of times at Waitara Oval, but um, <laughs> yeah, that was an insane night as well. We might leave that one off the podcast. But, <laughs> yeah. <it's> not... <laughs> but it is something that you really do. And I think your local community stuff that you do and um, yeah, you know, it, and, you know, working with the kids and, you know, working with the young spinners and NDs is, is something awesome. And I think yeah, it, it's something you do really, really well. And I think it's it's a reflection of how you probably felt in, in that situation, seeing seeing those guys and, and going from there. And I think it leads me to, you know, another question is, you know, one of the big things you did on social media was your, your pre-bowling uh, routine. Uh, and you did a bit, of a, a, bit of a, a bit of a competition. I suppose my yeah. question is, you know, you've got the ball in your hand or, or you're facing up, ready to, um, ready to face the guy coming in. What, what's your what's your mindset? What's your your thought um, at that time? Do you have a, a specific routine, particularly with bowling, or you know, how do you go about your game? Yeah, so uh, look, I, I don't have superstitions that I know of, but I would say routines I definitely have. And um, for me personally, the the breath of, is so important to me, and and allowing me to do what I do or giving me the best chance opportunity to do what I do and I use my breath to you know clear out a lot of the the distractions or, or head noise that that happen on a cricket field and um it 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 then helps me just narrow my focus in whether I'm batting or bowling so you know when I'm when I'm batting I try and slow the game down in my head as much as possible 
um, through breathing. And then when I'm facing up, I just want to try and, you know, narrow my focus in almost like a triangle. So before the bowler's bowling up, you imagine it at the point or the, the base of the triangle, your, your thoughts are thinking about what's required of me. You know, you, there could be noise from the sidelines or it could be crowd noise or situation or whatever. And then I use that breath just to try and put all that away. And I tell myself just to watch the ball and focus in on that ball. Cause then there's, you know, no distractions. Similarly, when I'm bowling at the top of my mark, I'm, you know, weighing up what the best ball is to bowl right now. And, and what, given the circumstances, who I'm bowling to is my field, right? All those sort of distractions or, or things that occur in a cricket game. And then by the time I've taken my breath, I'm fully committed to what I believe is the best ball to bowl right then. So that's why I sort of do it in the moment. It's the big shoulder shrug just to let go of everything and know that when I take that first step, I'm now fully committed and fully focused on what I want to achieve for that ball. Awesome. So letting go of everything and, and being really focused is obviously so key in cricket because, as you said, every ball is a battle. Um, and particularly yeah. if we're you know, T20 cricket, for those who aren't cricket fanatics, every ball can, can change a game. You know, a ball yeah. can, one thing can happen um, here and the other. And I want to I now take you to a moment um, in your career, which is obviously a little bit of adversity, to be honest. And, um, you know, it was a, a tough time um, for you and particularly for us sitting at home hearing it as well was, you know, January 2020, I think it was early Jan 2020, you had... Um, a little bit of adversity where your action that you bowl with was was brought under scrutiny and you were banned from from cricket while you were going through the process of you know testing your action and the like. It it goes without saying, and I, I obviously it's a it's a hard topic to talk about. But at what point and how did you, you know, go about that approach and what was the way to keep positive and because you know it could have been taken you know, and is a tough tough thing to hear. But how yeah. did you go about with, you know, bouncing back? And the good thing is you, you have bounced back so well. But what was it like hearing that, the process, and then, you know, bouncing back and the resilience that you've had to show through that? Yeah, it was, um, it was incredibly hard. It, it came as a, a massive shock. Um, and, you know, arguably it came when I was probably at the top or, or of my game or, or just on a really good hot run. Um, 2019, I'd went... To Canada um, in June, I believe it was. Um, did really well in that tournament um, for my team and as an individual, um, bowled well, batted well, uh, got a couple of man of the match performances. Then got a replacement opportunity in England, um, so went straight from Canada to England. Played for the the Birmingham Bears um, in county cricket, which is awesome. First taste of it. Um, they on the spot decided that we're going to, they're going to retain me and make, bring me back as captain next year. So 2020, um, went straight from England to the Caribbean, uh, where we went on a team hot run, won 12 games in a row, then lost in the final. And again, performed really well with both bat and ball and, um, a couple of match winning performances, which like, I was just, you know, loving my cricket, really confident with where I'm at, went to the T10 league or came home, went straight to T10 league. Uh, we did really well over there. I did really well um, on a personal note. Then started the Big Bash well. We were three from three um, at the start. IPL auction happened, and um, I found out I got picked up for the IPL um, by mm. Calcutta Knight Riders. So it was like this massive high 
building from June all the way through to December. And then, um, yeah, out of the blue, this just happened. Um, no warning. I'd spent time at the Academy up in Brisbane for four weeks before going to Canada, um, being filmed and, and you know, um, by the analysts from Cricket Australia and no one sort of mentioned any uncertainties or fears, but, um, you know, through all that time, because I played so much cricket, what had happened is I'd obviously slipped into bad habits and it meant that when I got tested, a couple of my balls were only one to two degrees over. Um, and um, you can't, if you, if you, I bowled 36 balls and I had to replicate what I did in that game that I was reported on the 2nd of January. Um, and my coach up there came up with me and said, look, this isn't how Greeny usually bowls. Can you look at prior footage? And they said, no, we have to do it. This is the process. So I had to, hmm. you know, copy my bad technique in that game. And that bad technique resulted in me failing the test and, and facing three months on the sidelines, which, um, you know, in the middle of a tournament where we were running hot as a team, um, hmm. I started, it was probably our best start the Thunder had ever made. We, you know, we had a full strength team for most of it. And, and I was one of the senior players in the team. So I was gutted to be missing out and watching the team on the sidelines. Um, and it just created, for me, it was the challenge of it that I accepted. I wanted to get stuck in straight away. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this and I want to come back. You know, I, I not only want to come back and ensure I'm passed, but I want to come back bigger and better than I was before. Um, so I, that was the... The way of getting through it is just creating a task uh, for me to try and work towards. Um, and that's what it was. It was, it was going to be three months of hard work and, and, and wanting to get better as a bowler, but as a batter and, and person and, and everything. And um, it was about two weeks before my three months was up, COVID hit um, yeah. and pushed it, pushed it back even further. Um, but, you know, in, in hindsight, COVID helped me. It meant that I only missed the big bash really. And, and then half of a PSL, if I was to get picked up in it um, over in Pakistan, because then all cricket went on hold and it allowed me an extra three months training block to continue to work on my action, work on my game. Um, fortunately teams stood by me um, and I came back and uh, captained the, my team in the CPL uh, recorded some career best figures there. So it's it sort of, um, it was a really proud moment for me just to, and, and also grateful moment for me, for everyone who supported me and, and particularly my coach and, and everyone that, you know, I'd, I'd sort of not achieved it because we won't know until the long term, but in the short term, I ticked, ticked the goals or kicked the goals that I wanted to is come back better than I was before and recording mm. my best figures there. And then best figures recently in the UK was like a little bit of, you know, self, self gratitude and, and, you know, everything that I worked towards was paying and sacrifice paid off as well as what other people had, had supported and sacrificed for me as well. Yeah, huge. And I, I remember I remember speaking to you quickly, you know, when the when the announcement occurred and I, I said something along the lines of, mate, awful, you know, I'm sorry to hear. And I know you said to me, all good, mate. Like, I'll come back, you know, strong and we'll sort it out and fix it up. And I think one of the telling things is when you had to face the media the next day too. And that, and that was your posture, but it wasn't, the thing that um, you know, I love about you, Greeny, it, it wasn't fake. Like it was so, uh, it wasn't scripted. It was like, yep, this is what it is. You know, I've accepted it. I'm going to cop it and I'm going to come back better. And, you know, it's awesome. Yeah. And I think, 
you know, these seasons coming up and, and what's happening in the CPL and then the Big Bash coming up soon once you're out of those four walls uh, <laughs> will, be, will be really good. I suppose one of, the, one of my last um, couple of questions is, you know, you have, I'm going to say, you know, the privilege, despite now being in quarantine, but the privilege of, of traveling a fair bit um, and going around and, and playing cricket and living you know, a dream in that sense. You know, what what's it like to to travel um, as a you know professional cricketer and are you sick of airports or what like uh, <laughs> do you, do you enjoy that or is it still something you just sort of pinch yourself every day and go wow I, I get to do this yeah even with the um, disruptions that COVID's uh, implemented due to travel and and return from travel and even um, cricket tournaments and, and competitions happening with with now bubble life and, and everything, as I said, I've been countless amount of COVID tests and ridiculous amount of days locked in a room, but um, it's still absolute pinch yourself. Like I am so mm. grateful to be doing what I do and, and still experiencing um, whether it be same places, new teams, new cultures, um, creating new friendships, learning um, and, and traveling the world. And, and, you know, saying that, Cricket is my job, but it's not a job. It's it's an absolute passion, and uh, I love it. it. It's it's incredible that you know every time I, I and I think that that's probably what what that whole experience of of being banned has helped me and and continue to I want to continue to do is just to to take a and probably COVID's done for a lot of people is just to take a to stop take a step back look at yourself or your life from from the outside and 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 just see where you're at see where you're at physically see where you're at mentally um you know from a cricket standpoint for me is now also see where i'm at technically um and just check and have that check in and um be grateful for for where you're at are you enjoying what you do um if so great continue doing it or do you need to make certain changes along the way that um you know, are going to put you on a new path or, or journey or, or career that is going to give you that that sense of belonging, enjoyment, wh- whatever sort of words you, you want to coin to it. And 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 that, to me, is is why I play the game. I, I love the game. I love immersing myself in the different cultures and learning about. You know, it's the same game played differently by millions and millions of people, if not billions, mm. when you include when you include India. Um, yeah. But it's just, it's such a great game that teaches so many lessons. And and that's why I think for me in learning from that band is just to continually take that stop, assess where I'm at, what have I learned, what did I do, you know, even just reflect upon some good and bad circumstances. And, and I think that in turn puts me in a good position for the next day, the next game, the next tournament, my life moving forward. Um, and you can relate that to so many things. And as I said, I think it's very relatable to a lot of people with what COVID's done to all our lives. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what's what's next for, for Chris Green? You know, what's the what's the dreams? You know, what's the what's the goals that um, you know that you're looking to to achieve, and what's something that you know you're really looking forward to in coming up in the future? Yeah, look, I think the first things first is getting out of quarantine. Um, that's, my, that's my first first goal, getting through what I hope is to be my last ever 14 days of hotel quarantine. Um, 
and then um, I'll have a little break at home just to refresh. And um, I always try and have a break and, and miss cricket. Um, when I start missing cricket, then that sort of hunger ignites and I guilt trip myself into it. And, and then there's that, I won't panic into it, but it's that, okay, now I can start building for the big bash uh, and getting excited for that. So that's, that's the next thing on my agenda. And um, going back to NDs when club cricket starts in, in November. So playing some games there, which I love doing last year um, and being mm. back at the club where it all started for me, it was, it really was special and I loved every minute of it. Um, and then from, I never really set long-term goals um, because I found that I became too obsessed with them and, and too results focused and, and worried about it. And I missed out on those key moments that were happening in front of me. Um, I wasn't enjoying, you know, what was happening or I was putting too much pressure on myself. And, you know, again, going back to that whole focus aspect, I'm not focusing fully on the here and now. Um, so the, the dreams or, or what's motivating me, if you like, is I want to continue to, to strive to get better every day um, because I know that that will help me get the best opportunity of, of realising my dream of playing cricket for Australia um, and then getting to an IPL in India. After getting a small taste of the IPL, mm. um, or a taste of the IPL rather, not small taste, of experience in the IPL but not in India in COVID times, uh, I'd love to get back there in India in the madness of it all. Um, so those are my two sort of dreams that are helping me, if you like, as an end, end goal to try and get to. Yeah, I love that. I'd love to see you playing in the IPL. That would be awesome. All right, last question before I let you go. Um, obviously, you're in quarantine. Have you been watching much TV? Uh, if so, what are we? What's what's going? What's on the rotation? Any recommendations out there for anybody? Oh, uh, I feel like I've I've I, I thought I'd go through Netflix, but then I remember looking at it, it. You'd have to watch consistently for like a year or two years straight to to finish Netflix. Um, so you haven't beat Netflix yet, okay? That that's good. Uh, so. No, no, <laughs> they keep putting things through. But um, I just finished the latest season of Animal Kingdom on Netflix. Yeah, good. Yep, yep. Um, I finished. I churned through clickbait which is a new one on Netflix ah, as well. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, good one. It just, I won't give anything away, but the ending was very um, unexpected. Um, I finished my, oh, just before coming in, I finished Money Heist later season. Um, Brilliant. And then, and then I'm, there's two that I'm hanging out for um, that are coming out soon is Yellowstone. If, if no one's seen Yellowstone the first on stand, they need to watch it. Um, so I think in November there's a new season coming out, and then the other one is Ozark. I'm hanging out for. Yes, the trailer um, dropped yesterday. It looks pretty yeah. insane. I'm pretty excited as well. So those are my two, and then um, yeah, any any sort of I, I need to get. I'm about to start a lot of those sporting documentaries on Amazon. Oh yes, you're in for a treat there. The AFL one is fantastic. It is. Yeah brilliant yes. and if i'll uh, probably finish those all tomorrow and then we'll be looking for more recommendations yeah love it we'll get into last chance you as well on netflix if you haven't if you haven't watched that before that's that's pretty good about just psycho american coaches just yelling awesome. at people pretty much for 10 episodes so that's pretty fun i love but, it um Oh, that's awesome, mate. Well, well, Greeny, it is awesome, um, you know, firstly to, to do the podcast, but just to catch up and, and chat through. And like I said, it's, um, it's awesome to, to be where I am and, and see your career develop, knowing 
um, you from you know before you were on TV, before you were a professional cricketer, and and seeing that sort of evolve and expand. And so um, I hope you've enjoyed you know, going through your your life today, and it's it's been a lot of fun. So thank you so much for for coming on the High People Podcast, mate. It's been awesome. No, thanks, mate. I loved it. Always great to catch up and and chat with you. And yeah, thanks for helping me relive some pretty cool moments and memories in my life so far. Well, looking forward to when you're out of quarantine and we can go for a swim at the bow. I probably won't run with you anymore because you have to wait for me for like 15 minutes, but no, it'll be, it'll be good to catch up then, mate. So yeah, thanks Can't again, wait. mate. Looking forward to it. Cheers, mate.